This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Shades of Vengeance. We know you, you're a gamer like us. You want as much out of your game as we do. We all want the same thing. More. That's what Era the Consortium, a new sci-fi tabletop RPG, offers. Visit the Kickstarter at kck.st forward slash 1hgb07w. That address again, kck.st forward slash 1hgb07w. I'll put a link in the show notes. We thank Shades of Vengeance for their support. This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to the following. Jason Fowler, Jonathan Mickelberg, John Luckett, Courtney Phillips, Douglas Connors, Tan Kenneth, Robert Taylor, George Ward, George Ward, Justin Higgins. Why did I say his name twice? Sigbjorn Eichness, Andrew Fry, Colin Principe, Scott Santos, Andreas Ditch. I feel like I'm calling it the World Series. George White around first, Darius Malloy on second base, Robert Carter, Matthew Jones, Nicholas Atuna, Ian Leinington, William Place at shortstop, Crystal Groves, Matthew Bach, Aaron Stafford, Lori McClory, she rhymes, Theo Poselt, DDP McCarthy, Stephen Howland, and to Trevor Griswold, our newest VIP member. Fine and faithful Spoilerites all, we'd love to have your name join them in the ranks of Spoilerosity, meaning a future Major Spoilers production could go out to you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, nerds, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Major Spoilers, its continuing mission to explore strange new stories, to seek out new tropes and new characterizations, to boldly split infinitives that no person or persons unknown have ever split before. Also, Fonzie, sit on it. Wah, wah, wah. These days are ours. Share them with me, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to Issue 561 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this free podcast experience. I want to thank everyone who shares this with a friend. I know some of you are going out there and giving. Uh, I was talking to somebody via email the other day, and they said that they had put a bunch of, of our episodes on a thumb drive and, and gave it to a friend and made them listen to it. And now they're hooked. And, and those are the kind of things that I'd like to hear. Just dropped it on the subway. Yep. Uh, that, can, that could happen, too. So- Rodrigo is phoning it in again this week. Zach is out again this week. I liked it better when everybody was all in one place. That's the good times. Mm -hmm. But we will muster on. That's like I said, I like it when everybody's in one place. Uh, Four years I've been phoning it in. If you are over at Major Spoilers, do us a favor. Click on that Amazon.com button. Order something cool. Uh, Easter is no, what's, what's coming up next? Uh, St. Patrick's day is just around the corner and you need to get all your uh, shillelaghs and your little hat things and your pots of gold over at <laughs> Amazon.com. Your pots of gold are going to cost you the wow. same amount. A little bit comes our way. Hopefully, that's the big rainbow of fruit flavor. Amazon.com is the button you want to kick, click on over at Majorspoilers.com. Thank you so much for your support. So, Matthew, do you get the sense that Stephen has never had like a St. Patrick's Day party? <laughs> no, or never I, I really Day. do. Sometimes I just you wonder if Stephen ever leaves the house. I think he <laughs> he doesn't like people. I know that. But. 
Is it is it is there just like a really big rivalry because it's <laughs> such a because it's such a German area? Do people like try to shut down St. Patrick's Day in favor of October? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> ich bin ein Leprechaun. <laughs> uh, Black Widow Widow is going to get a standalone movie. This, according to uh, Kevin Feige, Feige over at uh, Marvel Studios, Feige. said that they are going to go ahead and and they're moving ahead with plans to develop Black Widow into a standalone flick. Now, she is going to uh, have a role in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which comes out, when is that, May? Whatever it is. Whenever the Winter Soldier comes out. She's got a big uh, big dealio in that. And they're saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and move forward on a standalone flick for her, which I think is really cool myself. Um, I think it probably is also a bit of a tweak on the nose to Warner Brothers, who haven't got their act together enough to get a Wonder Woman movie off the ground. And uh, I think if they can make and, uh, Scarlett and, and Johansson is, work in this, I think that Wonder Woman's going to be in big trouble. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? This is, traditionally, this is traditionally something that Marvel is very good at. DC catches heat for something. Mm-hmm. And then before somebody can go, and Marvel is bad about this, too, they just rush a project in. Yep. Yeah, they're doing it's that like, Black Widow movie you heard. Yeah, it's like uh, DC removes all minorities from their titles and they're mm-hmm. like wait a minute marvel's but it's like here's a luke cage book <laughs> yes. yeah yeah luke cage the falcon and the second captain marvel you know yeah. i would see you, i part think of it- that there's a good chance that this is entirely meant to be a tweak on the nose to respond to the the wb criticism and just go ha ha we can do it yeah i i think that's what it totally is now i'm not saying that uh, you know, Black Widow becomes a pawn in this game and therefore they don't hold the character in any regard because she's already been in three movies uh, and moving three? up. Well, let's see. She's in uh, Iron, Iron Man, Man two Avengers. Three. Yeah. Oh, is she in? No, which is, is she, no, she's not in Iron Man three. She's, she's in, in Iron, Iron Man, Man three. She's in two Avengers and Winter Soldier. Yep. Winter Soldier. Yep. And she'll be in Avengers okay. two and. Uh, it's probably some other things too. So She'll I, you know, I don't think it's the second Hulk movie. I don't think it's any Just kind of she a. She has to be in the second. Hulk. Yeah, I don't think it's any kind of a slap on, uh, on the character. I just think it's like, hey, we can move on this. We've already got the contracts in place. We've already got uh, a plethora of ideas. Marvel moves ahead pretty quick on everything, even though they're as big a company as as uh, DC is, um, and Disney certainly is a much bigger company than Warner Brothers could ever be. Uh, so I think it's it's nice that they can they can move forward with this. You had some other thought, Matthew. Earlier, you said I you think wanted that to. When it comes to, what do I? I think that it, honestly, when it what it comes down to for me is that whether or not this is Marvel going to DC, we can totally do a girl movie, even though you know you say it's impossible. I think that there's something to be said for the fact that if this you know comes through and if this precedes a wonder woman movie i don't necessarily care if they did it specifically to kind of thumb their nose at the guys across the street i think it's great that we're going to see because i never expected a black widow solo film at all i figured that they didn't think that she would hold her own film and that we would never see a solo movie so i think it's a really really nice step forward for marvel studios i'm going to follow that up with a uh press release that somewhat bothered me today uh toy fair is going on let me find out because i trashed it i wasn't even going to run it um Mm. but it but it somewhat bothered me uh let me find it 
So Toy Fair is going on in New York City right now. And of course, everyone is jockeying for the greatest place on the store shelf. And uh, everyone's making a big to do of everything. And then Disney comes along and God, I can't find the press release. Um, Basically says how they're dominating the boy toy aisle at toy stores. Uh, And I was like, well, why do they have to make such a big push um, on the boy toy? Why can't they just dominate all the toys? Uh, Right. So I was really disappointed. Uh, Let's see. Here it is. During the action-packed events on Monday, blah, 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 blah. Um, Okay. Disney Consumer Products unveiled its dynamic product lines that will dominate boys' toys aisle this year with offerings inspired by highly anticipated content, Disney Planes, Fire and Rescue, Star Wars Rebels, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I know that in Toy in, Isle Domination, you know, and I know that those are big properties, but I think if they would have just said dominated the toy aisle this year, I wouldn't have been yeah. bothered as much. But they threw in, oh, we're going to dominate the boys toy aisle. That, again, is almost yeah. uh, the company saying, well, we don't care about girls unless it's pink or purple or whatever. It doesn't belong in anything that we well, want to market to. I don't I, I don't I don't think that's true because. Okay, so it's it's possible that Disney. Um, I tried looking to see uh, if they had appreciate. any press releases. I tried looking to see if they had any press releases about them dominating the girls' toy aisle, but I didn't see any press releases about that. No, but well, because they already do. I mean, yeah, Disney princesses. It, it, maybe maybe Disney through its its um, contracts with toy manufacturers. Um, has a ton of Disney princes, Barbie type things. I think they actually have like a straight up work with Mattel. I think a lot of mm-hmm. the Disney princesses might actually be Barbie like. They're mm-hmm. they're that same sim- they're similar models, right? Um, so and and we know we know from the very beginning that Disney's purchase of Marvel was so that they could start to corner the boy market, right? Well, that's because the reason why they changed Disney. Um whatever it was to Disney XD because they were branding it for yeah, boys. Yeah. Well, they changed, they changed uh tune Disney to Jetix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, which I, I think that's what it was. Maybe that it was, was, maybe yeah. that then became Disney XD. I don't know. Yeah. But, it was, uh, it was Jetix around the turn of the century. Cause that's where you had to go to watch your power Rangers dino. Right. right. So, um, I don't know that this, press release is them saying we don't care about girls or we don't care about girls anymore right is that disney has a lot of control over the girls market i mean they're they're not just the like they have all these properties Mm -hmm. that are automatically appealing to girls and they're kind of the ones to beat as far as that goes you know the well then it would have been even more appropriate they're like a cross-platform thing it would have been even more appropriate than to just strike the word boy in that press release and just say we're dominating the toy aisle yeah but this is i mean this is an example of how ingrained this kind of accidental and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna call it what it is this accidental yeah i'm sure it is is especially in places where we don't expect it because i mean i shop for toys with the kid once in a while and going from the red, gold, and black aisle to the pink and purple aisle bothers her. It, I mean, it's something that she is aware of, that this is a, a whole different culture, and she doesn't necessarily like the fact 
that in one place you can get the cool stuff that she likes, you know, the dress-up stuff, the imagined stuff. And then in the other place you go and you can have the adventures and the, the – she can't really necessarily – and not so much now because she's getting to be 9 and 10 and not caring so much about toys anymore. But what? for a while she was upset that you couldn't bring them together. Yeah, 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 yeah. she's practically a teenager. Well, I mean, look at – I mean, Lego is a perfect example of this too because they have – um, Lego sets, which are very generic in, in the most part, except they have sets specifically tor- targeted towards girls that are not compatible with the regular Lego sets. The figures are different. The bricks are the same, but the wow. figures are different. They're not minifigs. Uh, oh. They're very girlish. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, look like uh, they look like. Um, whoops! There goes our emergency alert system. Um, yeah. Oh, an amber alert. Big broadcasters. Um, oh man. Yeah. Um. They look more like the the, those brat dolls is what they look like. Uh, Those little Lego pieces. Um, Oh, no. Which is really Uh. weird because it's like, hey, there's some really cool. I look at those sets and I'm like, hey, there's some really cool sets here. There's a really cool house that you can add into your to your uh, cityscape. There's all these other cool things. And then you look at the minifigs. and It's like, well, these two are not compatible at all. Well, but I mean, that that could well come from market testing. Yeah. I mean, they might have yep. sat down 20, 100, 1,000 girls. And they're like, what do you think about these? And the girls look at them and say, well, these are ugly or we don't like them. So it's like, well, what if you had tiny little poly or like, you know, Barbie yeah, yeah. dolls that fit into your Legos? And they might have said, OK, I mean, it's it's the issue with toys is that. I mean, it, it constantly feeds into itself, but uh, kind of uh, homogenizing toys, I don't think is necessarily the answer. I think there are issues there. I think, for example, the fact that it has to be pink and purple to be a girl's toy mm-hmm. is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also think that there are things that girls are going to like that boys don't and vice versa. Not necessarily, well, you know, partially because of like social um, norms, but but also because so, you know, little girls are often into different things than boys. I wonder. Um, so. I wonder where and maybe people because I don't I don't remember ever seeing the the action figure for Black Widow from the last Avengers movie. Where did the Black Widow figure go? Did they put it in the boys toy aisle or did they put it in the girls toy aisle? One. And I'm wondering I if there ever was exactly one. I'm pretty sure. there, I don't uh, know that there was one. I know that there were. Tons, I know. I know tons. Marvel Select has that. <clears throat> Yes, but, but that's something totally different than what you see at the Walmart three and a half inch. Yeah, and I saw there. I mean, there. I don't know if those are even official, but Hot Toys had the yeah. Hot Toys is a scale. yeah, but those aren't you know those yeah, aren't like things I'm you looking, let your kid play with. I'm looking at the Black Widow Grapple Blast <laughs> Avengers movie series four inch action figure. Oh, cool! Um, Thirty five bucks on like, eBay. I'm, yep, it, and if is you. It looks okay. It looks like it's in the regular what they would put in the boy toy yeah. aisle. And it's like, yeah, and it's yeah, and it's like highly articulated. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, yep. I mean, this is this is this is an action figure. It's not a doll. And so I is- would and and it, I remember these packages. And I mean, four inches. It's a relatively small yeah. action figure. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, it's the Star Wars so, size, like, three and a quarter, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing that you know what it comes down to for me as an occasional toy collector for myself as well. There are times when you want to go in there. I don't necessarily think we should force children to play with toys that they don't want to, but you kind of want to go in and say, you know, you can, you can go to either aisle, man. 
If you're a boy, you can be in this pink aisle, and if you're a girl, you can be down here in this golden yeah. black aisle, and you you can do whatever you want. And it doesn't make you weird or makes you strange. Me. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes you – you are who you are. I'm mad that the Super Mega Force American Ranger key sets – this is why I'm not collecting them – don't have any pink or yellow keys. Really? They didn't or at least have not yet made any of the keys of the female rangers. Huh. Well, and you get that. I mean there was a big big deal with the fact that they weren't making any like Katara dolls for uh, or toys for Avatar because they're like, no, Katara's a girl. They're not going to buy it. I don't See, know. It just it just I bothered just... me when I hit that today. And then we're talking about Black Widow getting her own movie in, in light of, uh, you know, the discussion a couple of weeks ago about female uh, led uh, hero led movies wouldn't work. I don't know. It just kind of bothers mm-hmm. me a little bit, uh, especially when yeah. with and, our kids, we're trying to it. teach them that, you know, there's you know, there's nothing wrong with girls playing with boys toys or boys playing with girls toys. I mean, it's all cool. Yep. And they just need to be open to that. Uh, I don't know. These little things just kind of set me off. Sorry again. Agreed. Did they find her? No. Amber, she was she was hiding no, behind the couch. They're just uh, no, just it. resending it. it. See, and it just <clears throat> what it really says. I think in a lot of cases is that there isn't faith behind a movie with a female main character, mm-hmm. and. As as we go on, as I've started hearing this for the third decade in a row, I start to think, you know, why is it that nobody is is accepting of the fact that these changes are occurring? And there are, I mean, there are successful movies. There are successful female-helmed adventure movies. There are successful female-helmed television shows. I was reading something today about, um, what's the show with Kerry Washington? Scandal? Yeah. And how Scandal is making ABC just tons and tons of right, money. Right, right, right. And that they didn't they didn't want to pick it up because it was a female main character who was a person of color. And they were afraid that it wouldn't sell in the sticks. And I'm like, sure. this. I mean, these are things that people well, are willing to support. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing, too, I, I think this will get ABC to push. Um, what was that uh, Marvel detective uh, series? Crap it. Uh, detective series. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, f- the female lead. God dang it, I forgot what the title. Oh. Alias. Remember oh. that? Oh, Jennifer Garner. No, 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 no. The comic book series. Oh, with Jessica Jones. Yeah, Alias. Jessica Jones. Are they Alias. Jessica Alias? Jones. I think it's called Jessica Jones. No. I think it's yeah, called she's Jessica part Jones. Is Netflix thing, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really hope that they push push that forward even even faster because I think that'd be a nice compliment for. If and when they get this. Now, again, there's nothing that says that the Black Widow movie is certainly happening They're You know, they're saying that uh, Black Widow as a property is something that they're very seriously considering at this time and trying to work something out to get that movie made. So it'll probably be part of wave three or four, whatever the Ant-Man, Doctor Strange uh, stuff hits. So we can expect to see Black Widow at that point. Do you think is there Black Widow before we see Doctor Strange? I don't know. You know what I would do? You know what I would do with a Black Widow movie? Mm. What? I would basically do Next Wave, except I would take out um, the the Nick Fury guy, put Black Widow in, and basically <laughs> say you have, like, there's this, like, group of misfits, and you have to, like, get them together into a shield unit. <laughs> Dirk Anger. Uh, I thought they were doing that on TV now. Uh, yeah, there is that, but those guys mostly don't have superpowers. But if you oh, if you throw yeah. in like 
Boom Boom and um, the Captain and Machine Man. Yeah, and Captain Marvel. Get your Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, definitely. And that's the, the other thing is like that. That would also like really tip the boys to girls uh, it would. scale pretty drastically. So you could have you know a superhero team that's mostly girls, which is nice. I'm fine with that. I very, totally am fine with that. See. Yeah. I, I wonder, is there a toy that crosses that invisible barrier in the toy store? Is there a toy that crosses Mr. over Potato both sides? Head. Mr. Probably. Mr. Potato Head. A lot of toys you'll see in both aisles. You'll see Legos in both aisles. Well, that, but that's we had that uh, conversation a minute ago with the. Uh, but they're different, yeah. though. I mean, is there? I mean, Star yeah, Wars well, would be the. I think I, the closest thing, especially like lightsabers, because girls know that they can be Jedi too, and uh, do that. I, I find that nowadays, nowadays there's much more of a transition, or there can be, depending on how the aisles are arranged. There's usually like your action figures that have like Rasselmans and Power Guys mm-hmm. and. And super dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there'll be like these transitional ones that yeah, have it's like puzzles de- de- and Legos. Demilitarized de- zone. I think ours are yes. Walmart. <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah. it's, I mean, nerf, it's Nerf guns and yep. electronic uh, games and, electronic. and like stuff uh, like Simon. Farm, yeah, farm stuff, like farm tractor stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then you transition yep. next aisle well, over as girls. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like there's like usually action figures and cars are a different aisle. Right, right. Uh, now there'll be like a ton of superhero stuff, and then there'll be cars. Yeah. Now it's vehicles. our our uh, Walmart uh, totally changed their toy aisle. Now, now they've got wall, uh, Legos lining two sides of one aisle, and it's a big selection. Oh, really? We we overbought the other day, and then uh, then it's got action figures, mostly Marvel and Star Wars, and then some DC superhero stuff, and that's it for that entire aisle. Wow! And then they've moved everything else over to the dmz um well and i can't i can't shop at walmart any longer so i really can't say but they, they threw the you last out. time i was in a walmart no it's not that i it, i'm not saying they will not allow me to shop at walmart i'm saying physically if i go to a walmart they will lock me away because i will start throwing dusty roads elbows i cannot stand going to walmart because walmart is is one of the scariest places on earth if you're a fat guy because you're invisible and people will run into you and get mad at you like it was your fault. And I, you know, I'm old anyway, but when you, when you get into the Topeka Walmarts, especially the big one out on Wanamaker, which used to be called the hypermart. Oh, the super Walmart. Yeah. Everyone's IQ drops by 20 points. No, I think, I think starting it's, with some of my, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's just that Walmart. I think it's all Walmarts. <laughs> I had a woman nearly elbow me. I was trying to get uh, the wife a Christmas gift the last time I entered a Walmart. And I had a woman come up and elbow me to try and take this thing out of my arms. And and part of me is like, pardon me, madam. I think you've run into me. I am sorry if I am in your way. And part of me is like, lady, you do not want a piece of the Cobra. And those those two things argued until she walked away, realizing she wasn't going to get the last vacuum cleaner. She asked for the vacuum cleaner. I didn't buy her a vacuum cleaner of my own accord. I had to go get her something nice to go with it, by the way, for those of you listening. Because you can't buy your wife a vacuum cleaner. Hey, Donnell Loge is Harvey Bullock on the TV series uh, (laughs) Gotham. Uh, So that's kind of cool, I guess. Uh, uh, Is this young Harvey Bullock? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is uh, Jim Gordon when he's still a detective. This is is Bruce. 
This is Bruce Wayne when he's like 11 years old. Bruce Wayne's 11. Harvey Bullock is a detective. Yep. Huh. Yep. And Jim Gordon is probably about the same age. It's basically trying to do it's trying to do year one, but they're trying to cram in some characters that I think people would recognize. And I think Harvey Bullock is one of them. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe we're going to get like baby, baby Selena Kyle. Wouldn't that be interesting? You know, oh crap. They have already started casting uh, other parts. And if you go over to the IMDb, they already have. um, They already have a bunch of episodes listed and a bunch of characters listed including uh, the penguin. Um, let me go in here real quick and find it so I can bring it up. The penguin. The penguin. Gotham TV series. Gotham TV. Dang it. Where is it at? This week's episode brought to you by Internet Lag. Oh, I know. It it's all it's all something. it's all stupid. Uh, yeah, Gotham TV movie. Gotham Knights. Gotham. There we go. <clears throat> Okay. All right. So the they've got they go, uh, Daft Punk is neither Daft nor Punk. Discuss. So they've got uh, Sarah Essen has already been cast by uh, Zabrina Guevara. Sarah. Uh, oh. Robin Taylor is playing Oswald Cobblepot. Uh, Robin Taylor is a. Where's he been in? He's got a face that I think you would know. Uh, he's Robin been in The Taylor? Walking Dead. He played Sam in The Walking Dead. He's been in uh, <laughs> Law and Order Special <laughs> Victims Unit. He kind of he, oh, he kind of has a look that that could be Penguin, uh, I think. But he's really young. Sean Pertwee plays Alfred, of course. Uh, Donnell Loge is Detective Sean Henry. Sean Pertwee, yes. Sean Pertwee is the son of the Third Doctor. He might be. That's awesome. Yeah, there you go. And uh, also, Aaron Richards has been pa- pa- um, cast as Barbara Keene who I believe is Jim Gordon's uh, um, fiance in this. So there you go. She'll be Mrs. That, Gordon. Yes. Eventually. Um, yes. If you're over major spoilers, you're looking for something else to listen to besides this podcast. Uh, check out Zach <laughs> on toys. Zach has been out uh, and we haven't been able to do Zach on film, but he sat down, took it upon himself to do a toy related podcast uh, somewhat taking our want list video show and enhancing it with an audio show. Go listen to that. I think he's going to work on another one this week and see if it's something that will fly in the future. Uh, if you're shopping the girl, uh, Zach and I spent a lot of time this weekend playing with Lego and chatting up the Lego movie and chatting with a lot of people in our VIP, uh, live chat for February gave away some prizes uh, you can get in on the action by heading over to members.majorspoilers.com. Sign up for a bronze, silver, or gold membership. You'll get some original art from Adriana, who plays Trell in Critical Hit. I even threw up an old Rodrigo sketch. I believe it's one of yours, Rodrigo, up there today. Uh, you also get bonus tracks. Bonus tracks is a commentary track that we record <coughs> so that you can watch the movie and listen along with us. In March, we're looking at Empire Strikes Back. So uh, go uh, sign up and, and check that out. Plus, there's that live monthly chat for our gold members, lots of fun over at members.majorspoilers.com. Uh, also, there's a lot of stories over at Major Spoilers. Go check out all the stories, the news, the reviews, the whatever's polls of the week we'll get to shortly. And of course, uh, let us get to our own reviews. Review. This week, I'm reading Undertone number one. It's out this week from Image Comics. This takes place in the long ago times. 
sometime after Atlantis fell, because it uh, has Atlantis uh, Atlanteans breathing underwater. Basically, they're they're fish people. And uh, Do they have like fish tails and things. No, they don't have fish tails, but they have gills. They haven't they haven't evolved to breathe out of water yet. Uh, but it's real fascinating yeah. that um, Redham Ashengarl, I forget his name. Uh, <laughs> he's kind of like the bad guy. He's kind of like this uh, radical guy that the government doesn't like. So he's kind of abandoned Atlantis and he's kind of abandoned the water. And he's taken to the air with this giant flying barge filled with water. And the Atlanteans are swimming around in it. And they'll put on these... Uh, water filled suits so they can walk on land and witness things that are going on. Uh, they see the, the rise of the humans. They're starting to witness the rise of human beings uh, at this point. Uh, they're still very savage, wild uh, creatures. Uh, and what he does is he, during a battle finds this rich kid and invites him to come along and be part of his 5,000 member society. And the rich kid, of course, doesn't want to live in, his society anymore he's tired of it he doesn't want to be you know uh, married away an arranged marriage he doesn't want to have an arranged job he doesn't want to have arranged kids he's just kind of tired of the whole thing so he jumps on board with uh, redham's plan and redham thinks that there should be a way for the atlanteans to walk on land without the aid of any kind of water breather and so mm. it looks like this arc and i don't know if this is an ongoing or what's going on but uh, they're on the lookout for an amphibian, this fabled creature called an amphibian, because they believe that they can splice the DNA of the amphibian with theirs. They can either be on land or in the water. And uh, so this first issue is all set up. The art's a little funky, uh, but it's still really good. I, I think the hardest part, especially when you're creating a new race of people and you're wanting your audience to get on board, if they look too much alike, it really throws people off. And there are a lot of times where the characters look a lot alike, and it's hard for me to distinguish one from the other. Um, but otherwise I thought the story was interesting. I'm definitely going to go pick up the second issue. I'm giving this four slices of meatloaf, meatloaf out of five undertone. Number one, it's out this week from image comics. That guy's name anagrams to sad lemur hanger. There you go. Maybe that's what they're trying to say. Also anagrams. Actually, <laughs> actually backwards. His name is murder. So is it? Yeah. Read him. Well, without the Orangid uh, yeah, med, man that lives Medder. in my finger. There you go. Red Marshland Augur. There you go. Matthew, you read Egos number two this week from Image Comics. I did indeed. Egos number two. I missed number one, but somebody I think covered it. I think Zach covered it for the podcast. Yes, yes, he did. And his discussion of it made me intrigued. Ooh. Egos uh, by Stuart Moore with art by Gus Storms, who has a great name. Takes place sometime in the future. The future. And about 25 or 30 years ago, I am reminded of a, of a, an anecdote that takes place in that time frame. So forgive me for just a moment. About 25 or 30 years ago, John Byrne did a book that was called Danger Incorporated, I think. Or yeah, Danger I remember that. Limited. I do remember that. And somebody said, are you just doing the Fantastic Four? And John Byrne's response was, well, I figured since no one else was making Fantastic Four comments, which was a burn on Marvel who was still doing it. This is basically that only with the Legion of Superheroes. And I think that since DC wasn't doing anything with the Legion, this is a similar concept. It's the far future. The egos are the extra galactic earth galactic operatives. 
And they were once led by a teenage superhero named Deuce. And the fact that his name sounds like another rude word is probably intentional. Bruce? Last issue. and Yes, Bruce. Bruce is a rude word. But in any case, last issue, a great galactic threatening giant hateful menace came to try and destroy the universe. And Deuce said, we must reform the egos, the super team of super teams. Oh, I read and this said, one. What do you I read this yeah. one. What yeah. What are you going to do to fill out the ranks? He's like, I'll just clone myself. Well, he didn't say that. That was his, that was his I, secret yeah. plan. Yes. That's what he did. Yeah. 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 At the beginning of this issue, his wife named pixel, which is a great name, uh, has discovered that everyone news has gotten out to everyone that the egos are active again. And it's time for Legion tryouts. There are literally 900 people lined up back to back in front of Ego's headquarters, ready to try out for the team. Meanwhile, she's on the phone panicked to her mother. And I really love the bit with her mother because it turns out that her mother is apparently in in prison. Yeah, she's used to be the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. We cut to outer space where Deuce goes into action with a whole bunch of heroes. And as with any first appearance of a whole bunch of heroes it's really difficult at first to tie everything together because it's like spectrica you go this way scars you go that way drill huge the guy's name is huge y-o-o-g but then they begin the fighty fighty against the giant creature known as mass and mass has apparently got a black hole in the middle of his head and he is this giant almost human galaxy with a big skull face which is really kind of cool I love the art. Love it, love it, love it. Even the parts of it that are kind of featureless and antiseptic make it feel like, okay, it's a featureless antiseptic future. Right. It's Logan's run future with superpowers. And when Deuce goes into action and one of him gets horribly, horribly myrtilated, Ah. he realizes, yeah, he freaks out and he realizes this is bad. And the whole team starts to freak out. And then the whole team starts to get cut to ribbons, which is interesting to me because they've introduced, you know, this big wall of characters and you go this way and you have a name and that has a name and you don't. And of course they're getting cut to ribbons. So I think the point was to introduce this huge wall of superheroes and not necessarily to have us feel for each one, but to give us a realization of what a terrible, terrible plan Deuce has. As the issue ends, I will say I was surprised a couple of times by the story. Um, I was surprised by the way this issue comes around to lead into next issue, and I don't want to spoiler that. I was also surprised by the fact that they use a lot of future terminology that I associate with Legion stories. Their communication device is referred to as an Omnicom. Mm. Uh, The the government of Earth, now granted, this is just standard sci-fi short speak. The government of Earth is known as the EarthGov, which is right, something right. that they did in the Yeah, years. still though, I mean, it's one. it would be one thing if you had a Star Trek-like thing mm-hmm. that had EarthGov. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you have a superheroes in the future in space thing and they are called EarthGov, it, mm-hmm. like, it really invites that comparison. Yeah. Yes, are, it does. Do and they use the word frack? I can't. No. Okay. Legion didn't use frack. Oh, what do they use Legion, for their bad word? Legion had grife. Oh, grife. That's it. And uh, sprocking. Liberty, and sprocking. They had, sprocking. Sprocking. Sprocking was everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was also a couple that were introduced only by Jim Shooter. Gro- Gooby, I believe it was. 
Sprocken Goobies. You're a Sprocken Gooby, Stephen. Thank you. I don't know what it means, but it, yeah. But as the issue comes to an end, it's interesting to see this pseudo lightning lad, pseudo Saturn girl couple in this situation. And I think maybe the point here was to draw those Legion parallels to, mm-hmm. to flat out say, we are telling a story that we hope will remind you of the Legion but not necessarily be, you know, a knockoff or a ripoff or anything of that neighbor. As, as you get into it, it's really kind of difficult to balance something like that. And I feel like this issue pulls it off. They manage to keep those parallels, those intentional moments that I think, that I hope are them intentionally hanging a lampshade on the fact that they're definitely playing in Legion of Superheroes territory. And they manage to balance it with the story being told. I'm afraid that there may be a lot more horrifying death in the future. But then part of me is also kind of like, maybe I, maybe I want to see that. Uh, three slices of meatloaf for Ego's number two from Image Comics. Very well-drawn book. Very interesting book. Without having read all the way through issue one, I didn't get to finish it before we went to air. I'm not entirely sure if it's, you know, a long-term 150-issue story, but it's definitely a story that looks like it's got legs to get me at least six issues in. And depending on where it goes from there, I could be on board for a seriously long haul. So Cool. Excellent. Thank you for that, Matthew. Uh, Rodrigo, is your book also, out this week? Is huge. <laughs> is your book huge. out this week or is it a future book? I think it comes out next week. Okay, so a future book. Yes. From Dark Horse Comics. From the future, about the past, sort of. Um, so I'm I'm looking at Vandroid, uh, which I believe comes out next week. Um, it is. Hang on, I, have I will my double. Notes I will double somewhere. check here. Uh, Tommy Lee Edwards and Noah Smith writers, artist mm-hmm. Dan McDade. Comes out next I week, February twenty sixth. Uh, yes. So this is a book that, according to uh, the press release, is based on a screenplay that was going to be a movie, but the movie studio burnt down before the movie was made. And then finally, this uh, screenplay has been recovered and is now being turned into a the, the comic about the movie that should have defined a generation. Oh, okay. Now I'm looking at the preview pages. I have read this already, and it looks pretty funky. It look it is super fun. I will just start by saying that uh, Dan McDade's. I, I hope that's how it's pronounced. I don't know. Um, his art is really, really amazing. It's it's really good. This book, this book is supposed to take place either in the 80s or eight minutes into the future in the 80s, or eight seconds mm-hmm. into the future in the 80s. So. And really pulls it off. All the computers look super dated. Um, everything's like really grimy. It looks like a movie from the 80s. <laughs> looks and, like Major Spoilers Headquarters. East. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and, yeah, burning trash cans and everything. Yep. Um, looks so, just like my house. Yeah. So um, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, of course, like uh, there, there's also a quality to the drawings uh, that that I really like. Um, I would say 
It's got this like very, I, I probably like it because it's got this like vaguely uh, John Romita Jr. like mm-hmm. squareness to it, but not not as you know, rectangular as that as, as John Romita Jr. gets. Um, there, there's just something about it that that is reminiscent of it. Um, so this is the story <laughs> you think, at least at first, of a washed out um, programmer. And, and, and kind of a scientist, um, basically he has a friend and they both went different ways. One of them went corporate. The other one went kind of, uh, trying to just do his own thing. One of them is super poor. The other one is super rich. Um, the super rich one initiates uh, a program, uh, with an AI and has some problems. So he contacts his old friend to kind of get the band back together and, uh, get this done. Um, it is super trippy. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, I think largely because also I'm not supposed to since this comes in out in two weeks, but it's, it's weird. If you like stuff like, um, RoboCop and Terminator and stuff like that, stuff that really kind of, uh, typifies the, the mid to late eighties. Um, yeah, you'll, uh, yeah. Um, night cop term a writer um <laughs> the i think A-term. you'll uh you'll yeah actually there's a there's a night rider reference mm-hmm. in this voltron uh, reference as well yeah voltron references so um if you if you like that stuff you're you're probably going to really enjoy this i want to come back um, to this uh here in a little bit uh, rodrigo because there's something cool about this that i think we can talk about but go ahead and finish up your your review yeah um it it the 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 story is taking takes takes a really weird turn right off the bat um in this issue so i'm i'm curious to see where they go with it uh, but it's definitely not going in the direction i expected the art is really good i'm gonna give this three and a half slices of meatloaf um actually you know what i'll round it up to four it's actually it was a very it was actually a very pleasant surprise all around and 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 you know what it's it's largely the art Growing up, I never really liked the aesthetic of the '80s, but I've really come to a you know now now in my old age, I've really come to appreciate <laughs> it, and 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 more so than that, um, appreciate the the work that goes into simulating it. Because yeah, yeah. you're getting old. <laughs> oh, I'm super old, dude. I've, I've had, Shut up! I have all kinds of problems, dude. Have, you are 14 years younger than me. I have health problems. Like the other day, I woke up and my neck was kind of a little bit sore. It sucked. Four slices of meatloaf, mostly art, but the story is interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm interested to see what happens. Dan McDade. That's a name that I've heard before, but I can't remember in what context. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get a chance Probably to one of look those, him up. Uh, 80s movies. McDade, get in here! Turn in your badge! Turn McDade. in your gun! McDade! Um, Chief, you don't understand. Yeah. Hey, it's Major Spoiler Spoiler of the Week. Oh! I wonder how long I can do that. Yeah, probably about uh, five seconds ago. Major Spoiler Spoiler of the Week this week from our friend oh. Silver... Silver Gray. Silver Gray provides half of our polls. Pretty much. Um yeah. and then you know the random the could. random word the random word generator provides the rest. 
He wanted to pit. Hey, uh, he wanted to pit Mystique versus Martian Manhunter this week in the poll of the week. But instead of just a battle, battle, I decided to kind of use that as the springboard to figure out and ask the question: Who is the better shapeshifter? Now I don't know about I'm all of Mystique's. I, I don't know all about Mystique's powers. I don't know what. I mean, basically, we've seen her transform into humanoid uh, people. Uh, but I don't know what her weaknesses are. Now, Martian Manhunter, you know, can transform into a whole bunch of different things. We've seen him turn into a snake. We've seen him phase through objects. He can got telepathy. But as Batman once said, I spent millions of dollars to get a piece of green rock to take down the big guy. All I need is 10 box matches to take you down. <laughs> well, so, why does uh, Batman sound like Cherry Reed after a case of Milwaukee's best? So my vote this week... Because I don't think she can be uh, taken down with a 10 cent box of matches. Is Mystique. That's who I'm picking as who's the better shapeshifter. Matthew? Oh, oh you are so wrong. 10 cent box of matches will take you down. You, you. <laughs> Bandit! Bandit! Where are you at? Are you heeing and sheeing up now? Um. <laughs> Man, you Here's know what? You, you, you need to get your headphones checked. You know what? You should probably go check out our friends, tweakedaudio.com, Matthew. They got a big selection <laughs> of things. Yeah, let's see if you can actually hear what people are saying. They got a huge so selection of stuff like out Jerry there. Reed, no, so no, 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 no. You sound like Jackie Gleason? No, they've got a there bunch of different no stuff way. out there. Huge selection, bunch of different colors, bunch of different uh, kinds. I, I'm partial to these green, flat uh, cord type. I love them a lot. I, I left mine at home today, and I went to work, and I was really bummed out because I couldn't listen to anything. I love the sound of these tweaked audio headphones. I think you will too. And when you go over to tweakedaudio.com and you use the checkout code MAJOR, you get 30% off your price. We thank them for supporting the Major Spoilers Podcast. Matthew, back to you. Mystique, aka Raven Darkholm, first appearance, Ms. Marvel number 16, sometime in 1978, give or take, not only has one of the most vampire the masquerade real names in history. Oh, yeah. She has a limited set of powers. Essentially, she can psionically shift the formation of her body cells to change her appearance. Now, here's the thing that she does that the Martian Manhunter generally doesn't do. She, uh, too, and depending on who's writing the series, and most of the time it's written by, you know, men, uh, she doesn't wear clothes. She actually creates the appearance of clothes and fabric and things out of her body. So she can, in fact, do more than just change her face and body structure. There you go. Um, this is the thing, though. She is, at her general, you know, at any given point, a relatively fast healer. She is agile and strong, but she is not Kryptonian-level powerful with telepathy and eye beams and intangibility powers. So... It's a good thing that you said who's the better shapeshifter. Oh, yeah. If it what was a battle, if it was a battle, it would have been Martian Manhunter. Oh, God, yes. In, a, in about 45 seconds flat. Yeah. Mystique, well, I mean, she'll get in her shots, but it's, I mean, we're talking about the Martian freaking Manhunter. But in terms of shapeshifting, it kind of depends on what you're looking at. Martian Manhunter can change his entire body structure into, he doesn't n normally do it, but he can change into non-human forms. Uh, and I know that at one point when Mark Wade was writing JLA, he had like 50 different secret identities around the world, mm -hmm. different ages, genders, different physical types. But he's never turned into like a, a fireplace poker or anything like that, has he? He, to my knowledge, he has. 
Really? Yeah, okay. the Martian Manhunter is pretty crazy as far as the shape-shifting. He can shape-shift into pretty much anything, but it, most of the time in, in modern stories, we've seen him in sort of the same coterie as uh, Plastic Man. And I think out of respect for Plaz, he hasn't been stepping on that turns into weird shapes and fire plugs and shit. I mean, oh, yeah. so I didn't also, also, he's got 47 other powers that he can use. Precisely. So when you come down to who's a better shapeshifter, I say Martian Manhunter because while Mystique can transform herself into another person well enough to seduce Wolverine pretending to be his wife, the Martian Manhunter shapeshifts into different people and lives lives as those people Mm -hmm. and can change into, you know, dragons and chickens and whatever you want to do. I think the weirdest thing that I remember him changing into was just a ball of goop, which I don't know that I've ever seen Mystique actually rendered to purely liquid form. Generally, she tends to be kind of a human. Now, if you talk about movie Mystique, there was that one cool moment where she was facing one direction and then morphed around to where her face all of a sudden popped out and she was facing the other direction. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm thinking of the Terminator. Well, that too. I don't remember. Stellar leader over in the chats or in the comments section says the better shapeshifter, the Martian Manhunter, of course, because he can also alter his density and other things. However, I consider Mystique to be a much better character than John. The alien looking shapeshifting thing fits the villainesque role much better. Um, Jared says, I say Manhunter only because I've seen Mystique shift into nothing aside from another human appearance. At least John has turned into dragons and other types of beasts of destruction, uh, along with his general appearance. So one and one there, Rodrigo, one and one here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're going to be our tiebreaker. I think yep. that's um, not shape shifting. Well, the. I think when you say who's a better shapeshifter, you can look at it a lot of different ways. One of them is versatility, at which point you you would have to give it to Martian Manhunter because he is he can in fact become gigantic and like a big snake monster and stuff. Um, plus the fact that he can just naturally also fly and change his density and whatever means that he could, you know, potentially turn into a bird or like a dragon or something. And like, it wouldn't have to be aerodynamic or whatever. Um, if you're talking about it in terms of infiltration, there's a lot of history of mystique, basically walking past every security ever using shapeshifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be inclined to give it to mystique for that. But the, the issue there is that, Martian Manhunter can do it, too, because he can read people's minds. So um, this is, I think, a a great example of um, uh, basically which character would like Martian Manhunter would win this contest for the same reason that Superman would win any contest uh, about anything, possibly even the shapeshifting contest, because uh, the character has been written to be incredibly powerful in practically every direction. Right, he's a Superman time, equivalent. I really, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really hated Martian Manhunter for a long time because I found that not not only did like did he have a trillion powers and it was difficult to find something that was like vulnerable about him without resulting to his own kryptonite. Um, he he had an even more disjointed. A suite of powers in Superman. It was just like a random list of powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, powers. 
which which made sense, and I think uh, our our spoilerites got it in the head. Made a lot more sense when he was a villain because those are really good powers for a villain to have. Um, so if you were going to ask me which ones, which character would I prefer reading about, I would say Mystique. But who would win in this? Probably Superman with Martian Manhunter second. <laughs> there's there's I, I really... actually a really great line from one Martian Manhunter story that is completely apropos of nothing. Um, at one point, a villain stole his eyes. And he's teaming up with the Doom Patrol. And the chief of the Doom Patrol is like, how many senses do you actually have? And he's like, without my eyes, eight. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they play up. He's become more powerful and more alien every single time we see him. And I love the fact that he's so weird and so strange and so insanely powerful. and, And you know what? There are good there are ways to write Martian Manhunter that make him very appealing. I think the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited uh, TV shows did a great mm-hmm. job because the focus there was much more in his personality and being a fish out of water or whatever. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. Rather, rather than his powers, because everybody was super powerful mm-hmm. in that, except for Batman. I, I really so like, like when it when it comes down to him, like Kitty priding around, and then like. <laughs> Every once in a while, turning into a giant snake, it doesn't matter because Green Lantern's on the team and he can also do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really like Martian Manhunter as he was portrayed in DC's The New Frontier when he's just at Earth and trying to find his way and trying to find his place. I really like that. Yeah. In fact, I would really like to read. Maybe we can get our listeners to use the comment section over at Majorspoilers.com. I would really like to read a really great Martian Manhunter story that we could review as a group and a really great mystique story that we could read as a, as a group and, and review. If there's something like that out there, our listeners will know about it and, uh, and no, 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 not together and uh, make a suggestion on a, uh, a Martian Manhunter story that we should read and a uh, mystique story that we should read. What if they fell in love and had dozens of little chartreuse shaped? Yeah, they probably would have to be that way. Wouldn't they? Wouldn't it be wonderful, though? I mean, that would be a DC Marvel crossover I'd really want to read about. You do leave it to Beaver. Afterlife with, with Martian, Martian Manhunter and Mystique. As Ward. Yeah. And Mystique as like June Cleaver, only she's also an assassin. Well, if DC hadn't have crapped all over Tiny Titans, maybe we would have gotten something like that. Well, you know, they have a lot in common. I mean, he is a Manhunter from Mars. Mm-hmm. And she's just a basically a Manhunter from Earth. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she's hunting them for different reasons. Yeah. How did she's the, kind of uh, a man-eater. How does the polls stack up right now? Right now, I'm actually surprised. 180 votes in the bag. 59% supporting Martian Manhunter as the superior shifter. 41% for Mystique. It's still very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're looking at a difference of 7 to 10 votes here. But I really expected Mystique to take this one by a wide margin because of her X-Men uh, uh, ties. I was not aware that Martian Manhunter had the support that he did. So, oh yeah, the, remember when they killed Martian Manhunter in uh, pre fifty two story, whatever that was, and every, everybody flipped out. Yeah, everybody had a complete cardiac arrest and, and went nuts on DC. Everybody had a cow. I don't. I, I think it's just because they could. Them? I think it was just because they could. They made. They supposedly made an announcement, and I'd have to go back and dig it up. It's probably on the website, but it was right. 
it was right after they brought back Hal Jordan and Oliver Queen from the dead. Mm-hmm. And somebody somewhere said that they wanted to make sure that they still had a dead founding Justice League member <laughs> that they could have who was dead so that we could still have that sense of continuity. And I'm like, really? Who who was it? <laughs> who killed Martian Manhunter? What was his name? Um, he had the, the scales, uh, the, the Libra. Libra, that's face. who it was. That's right. That's right. Very good, Rodrigo. Very cool. Libra. So, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. And uh, you can go into the comment section for this episode and let us know if there's a fantastic Martian Manhunter story or a fantastic Mystique story that we just have to read on the podcast and and talk about and critique. Um, There was that Mystique solo series that had all the super gorgeous Greg Land covers. I think Greg Land. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. they're all like, yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if we find some, if there's something that looks really good and we can all get access to it through Comixology or Matthew's back issues, his 100,000 comics that came into the store the other day. 100,000 Matthew and I have been talking about that this week on, uh, or the last couple of weeks on Dueling Reviews. You can go back and hear about that. But you know, last week we read uh, Batman Odyssey or attempted to read Batman Odyssey. I think we read it. We were just trying to make sense of it. Because one of our listeners, we Doug, translate it. Uh, Doug wrote in uh, and asked asked us to do it because apparently uh, Neil Adams gave him crap about not being passionate enough to be in comics. And so Doug wrote back this week. First of all, I'd like to apologize for asking you to read Batman Odyssey. Neil Adams told me I didn't have what it takes <laughs> to be a writer. I simply wanted a journalistic review on his writing. I know you guys don't mince words and you have a non-biased perspective of the comics you review. I learned to read when I was four years old using comic books, and the first one I read was reprinted on the first appearance of the Batmobile. I've been a Batman fan since I was four, so Batman Odyssey was a shock to my system. The dialogue was terrible, the story made zero sense, and half of it seemed like it was political social propaganda. I love you guys, and I regret putting you through the gauntlet that was Batman Odyssey, but I think my point was proven. Neil Adams doesn't know blah, 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 blah about what it takes to be a writer, and I'll send you a copy of his first printing of my comic when it makes the stand or I'm going to, and I'll send you the copy of my first printing of my comic when it hits the stands. Told you I'd donate $20 a month to major spoilers, but I decided to just become a monthly donor in perpetuity. I love what you guys do. And I will continue to spread the word in the comic book community. If you ever need content, I'd be happy to review help out in any way. Thank you. Keep up the amazing work. That is from Doug. Um, Paul, Paul wrote in and said, I sent your review of Batman Odyssey was better than the book itself. Rodrigo's retelling of the story (laughs) as a small child was genuinely hilarious. I've been thinking in the last week that I should become a subscriber and Rodrigo's review alone has made up my mind that it was the right idea. You deserve something in return for the amount of time I invest in your work. I'll probably be a $5 uh, person because I really want those bonus tracks, but I can't quite justify $10 unless your upcoming announcements blow me away. And I did. Let's see if you are, if you've signed up to the major spoilers mailing list over at majorspoilers.com, it's that big orange button. You click on that, you get a free bonus tracks. But in the last couple of weeks, probably the last three weeks um, in the weekly email, in the uh, letter from the editor section, I've told you about some upcoming shows. And if you're a VIP member, a gold VIP member, we talked about those a little bit more in depth this past week on the February live chat. So if you sign up for the $10 a month recurring, you can go in and watch that archive and find out more about that. Uh, on the niche Batman review note, I'm a fan of Par- Paul Cornell's Knight and Squire and was wondering what you chaps think about it. It's Britishness is a big part of the appeal to me. And I'd like to know how that works from your perspective. Um, oh, I, I like it. I like it. I don't have a problem with it. Knight and Squire have been around for a long time. Um, yeah, Knight and Squire have been around since the fifties. Yeah, they were part of part the of original the, club of heroes. Aren't yeah, 
back in the the Batman of the many, Batman of many, many worlds or whatever. Yeah, but that that six issue series has lovely little touches like uh, Jarvis Poker, the British Joker. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that the Cidermen keep showing up. Who are the Cidermen? I don't know, but they look just like Cybermen, and they say, "Oh, ah, I like that." <laughs> Tons and tons of references and little Britishisms that you're just kind of like, I wonder what that means. I'll go find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rodrigo, what were you going to say? Oh, it, it takes a lot to get me into an alternate Batman story, uh, e- even if it's just like a Batman from a different country, because it, um, <laughs> I, 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 I think that the, the, sometimes the love for Batman is, um, pathological and <laughs> it, that that seems to me to be one of the symptoms is like what if there was a batman in every country um and I, I just i look at that and i think um i'm not i don't want to be involved with this but that, that's not to say that i wouldn't read it and and um one thing that i want to say to the to the person who originally suggested that we read batman odyssey is that it was rough to read but whenever a comic like kind of harms us in that way. We always make up for it during. We always make up for it during the review. I had a yeah, lot yeah. of fun reviewing. It was a, it was a fun. Episode. Episode. I did yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I wish fun. I hadn't read it and was still able to have that much. Yeah, so, fun. If some yes, if somehow I could have reviewed it without reading it and and been accurate, I would have preferred that. But you you gotta. It's this is what we do for you <laughs> as, <laughs> as as reviewers. We will we will take the shots. Well, speaking of reviews, this week we were supposed to review Mask of the Red Panda. From Monkey Brain Comics, originally released in digital format and then now collected in trade through IDW Publishing, came out two weeks ago, three, maybe three weeks ago by the time you hear this. Um, but Rodrigo hadn't had a chance to read it, and I thought that everybody should have a chance to yeah, read it before would... we have a discussion on it. So we're going to push that to next week. So next week is Mask of the Red Panda. I would really yeah, like us. I would really like to read yeah. Batman, Son of the Demon. Ooh, just as a different oh yeah, Batman story, because we haven't read that one before. That, um, Harry Chested Batman gets it on with Talia. Yeah. Who's the, who's the artist on that? I uh, don't remember. Defrasum. Defrasum? I don't think it's Defrasum. Yeah. It's a long name, and he's awesome, and he did yeah, a lot of uh, Batman. It's Defrasum McFramistat. Yeah. Oh, you know Frasum McFramistat. Yes, yes. Yeah. Jerry Bingham? Defrasum. Yes, Jerry, Jerry Bingham. Bingham. I love Jerry Bingham. Yes, that long, complicated last name. So we will uh, we will get to that in uh, a couple of weeks as well. So that'll be on our radar. And who knows what else will pop up? Like I said, the um, Martian Manhunter Mystique story could be really cool. But I want to go back to, uh, real quick, Rodrigo, I want to go back to your review yes. on Vandroid. Um, Dark Horse is actually, maybe it's the creators that have set this up. They've actually set up a website, vandroid.com. And they've got a fake movie poster up there. That is right out of the 80s. Uh, they've got a little history of this story. They've even got the synopsis of this movie and a fake movie trailer that looks like it came out of the 80s. Uh, and I find that really fascinating because they have you as you're reading a lot of this information, really buying into the fact that this is a real deal thing. That this was yes, in 1984, um, that this was a big to do movie. Right. So um, if you if you recall to. Uh, Ten minutes ago, um, we were we we were talking about this uh, this this studio that supposedly burned down, and and I went in and I was like, this. I, I was looking at the post because the comic itself in the back has like posters and stuff, and it talks mm-hmm. about the story of it. And I was like, those posters 
some of them don't quite look right. Some of them actually look too good. Like the quality on them is a little too good to have been rescued stuff mm-hmm. that was printed in the eighties. They didn't right. use the same like, you know, DPI in the eighties that they do now. <laughs> so I was like, this was either remastered or this is all fake. And like the majority of them look really good. You would you would totally believe it. Oh yeah, I mean the main um, poster for it. Uh, like I said, looks right out of 1980s painted, you know, kind of stuff that you see right. on the cheap. There's actually a soundtrack that you can download and listen to that supposedly came from this movie. And like I said, a, a yeah. real fake trailer. I guess they were, what, three days into shooting this whenever the uh, when the when the studio burned yeah, to the, the ground. Studio burned down. Right. So it's it's a really it's a it's really cool in that sense. You know, they kind of create this fake um this this like fake piece of reality to surround the comic, um, and I uh, I wanted to talk about stuff like that. There's um, I've you know every once in a while we encounter things like this, and sometimes they're pulled off really well, sometimes they're not. Um, I haven't read the entirety of it, but like uh, the Princess Bride book, yeah, um, right, 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 is itself written as kind of a transcript or like a, a synopsis, not not necessarily a synopsis, but like an abbreviated, an abridged version of another book. Right. Even though that book doesn't actually exist. Yes. Yes. Right. For example. Yeah. And then I think that's a perfect one. And, and I think people um, will remember this because, you know, Columbo goes in to read to uh, Fred Savage uh, the story of the Princess Bride. And so we're intercutting back and forth through that. And I think it's very, uh, I think it's very fascinating. So uh, you say when you killed your wife that you were watching TV uh, at the time. Um, just, just one more question. One more question. <laughs> and by the way, Columbo and Fred Savage, while the characters are not named in the movie, regardless of the film, that is what Stephen calls that, those particular. Uh, it's um, it's Columbo and uh, Kevin Arnold. Wasn't yes, it? Kevin Arnold. Yes, Kevin Arnold. Kevin Arnold. I, you know, I do find or, this and, idea and that the uh, kid from uh, a Christmas story, sometimes he calls him there. You know, which there's is a, uh, there is a great story up on IO nine this week. I don't know if you guys have seen this, um, seen this series on what well, I think it's on HBO true detectives. I haven't watched it yet. I want to, but, um, I've, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about it. it a it, lot. Yeah. yeah. Especially because, and I guess in this, uh, not this week's, but a couple of weeks ago episode, they did this one long 10 minute tracking shot throughout the entire scene. Um, but they're talking about how in this the TV series, they keep making references, really subtle references to a book by Robert Chambers called the King in yellow, which is a collection of short stories that was published in 1895. And I guess in this um, other famous writers have read, have read this book and have incorporated bits and pieces of it into their literary work. So HP Lovecraft has done this Raymond Chandler, Robert Heinlein, Grant Morrison, Neil Gaiman, uh, George R. R. Mort- Martin have all read this book, and there are bits and pieces in this that um, appear in other other books. But in this story, The King in Yellow, they uh, the story is pulling a um, um, a play that anyone who reads past Act One, Scene Two goes insane. And so there's little bits and pieces of this play in the King in Yellow. And apparently they're dropping hints and clues or Easter eggs for fans of this in True Detectives. And this and this this play never, never existed. 
And yet it's had such an influential impact on society, which I I, I think that's kind of fascinating. I mean, can you think of some other examples besides Princess Bride, the uh, the King in Yellow and and uh, Vandroid coming to Summers 1984? One of the places that I always found it was most fascinating. Have you guys heard of a movie called Heathers? Yes. From yeah. 1980, 88, 89. Mm-hmm. In this film, the, the creator was trying to create an entire world of teenagers. And he did the thing that so many brilliant writers do is he made up fake slang and he made up fake culture references and a fake band. And throughout the movie, they keep referring to this band, Big Fun. And their entire fake backstory and the, you know, the fictionalized life of this awesome super band. And it's kind of on that same level to where I want to go and hear the rest of their albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Go and I want to spin some big fun records. I want to know, you know, now 30 years down the line, what is big fun up to? Did they break up? Do they have like a greatest hits album that's really crappy? So they're going on tour again. But I, I love it when you have... You have a life that is within that movie or book or story, and it's unique to it, but it has that feeling of reality to it, where Mm -hmm. it's giving it depth. And it's something where, you know, if you use real pop culture and you real slang, it can date it real quickly. Or, you you know, Mm -hmm. God help you make a reference that's bad. Don't even get me started on Cracked.com and their, their superhero articles this week. I am so disappointed. But... If you have something that you've made up, it can never go wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we, as the listeners and the and the viewers, we can make up our own expectation and sort of build into that. Well, going off of that, um, there's uh, kind of a whole genre that's kind of like this, which is mockumentaries. So mm-hmm. Probably the most well-known one being this is Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a fake documentary about a fake band. Um, but yeah. played completely straight, like Spinal Tap actually existed, and 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 right. I think to a lot of people who first encounter it, are perfectly willing to believe at least for the first five minutes of the story. Yes, that <laughs> that that Spinal Tap actually existed because they do everything right. You know, they they have a logo, they play, they have actual songs that are playing throughout the the piece. Um, so before you, it really dawns on you that this is completely a comedy. Um, this is Spinal Tap is is probably that. I don't know if you guys this is this is like terrible uh, film uh, film student stuff. You guys ever see Forgotten Silver? I have not. Mm-hmm. This, I have not either. It's um uh, what's his name? The Lord of the Rings guy, Peter Jackson. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Peter, this, yeah, this is Peter Jackson. One of Peter Jackson's earliest projects where he makes his documentary about this New Zealish New Zealish. New Zealand. <laughs> no, New Zealand. I like New Zealand. About, about this Kiwi who uh, is actually this huge film pioneer, but because of a series, really a series of unfortunate events, um, we never hear about him. So here's the first person to pioneer like a bunch of different film techniques. Um, so, for example, there will be like this thing where it's like he pioneered colored film. He made this test film. So he goes into like this place in New Zealand that has all these like super vibrant color and they're showing you this film. And as he's doing that, this like a native woman who's topless wanders into the frame. Um, and then, 
he like you can see him like try to pan away from it, pans away to another kind of area, and then like six more topless <laughs> women like walk into the frame. And it's like this is all the film he had. He went to show it, and everybody thought it was pornographic. <laughs> so even though he invented color film, nobody knew because he was immediately shot down because of the subject matter, right? Um, Sadly so forgotten it's, it's silver. Completely fake. Forgotten Silver is not over on iTunes. I don't know if it's in Netflix. And sadly, True Detectives, curse you HBO, I hate it when they do this, uh, does not have that series over on uh, on on uh, iTunes either. HBO to go. Uh, well, I do have, HBO, have to HBO to go. I do, I do. Uh, I believe so. Well, I don't have HBO, so I don't know if HBO to go will work if you don't have the HBO with your cable system. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I know don't. I have HBO and HBO to go. They're no, we canceled. So, so. No, we canceled them. We canceled it. We canceled that stuff. We canceled a lot of our premium stuff a long time ago to save money, yeah. and then sh- switch that over to um, faster internet connection. So we've got seventy-five parity both ways um, for it, up down. It does get spendy. My yeah. my bill popped up like twenty dollars when all of my oh. little discounts expired. Oh, okay. Yeah, my uh, my bill popped up two hundred dollars just for our internet. So yeah, Do you have overage. No, no, no. I, I'm paying for 75 megabits up and 75 megabits down. So when I'm uploading like an episode of this episode, for example, it'll take 30 <laughs> seconds for it to upload as opposed to 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, and so when they're only halfway up, they're neither up nor down. That's right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, the Cthulhu mythos has certainly popped up as something that people kind of believe in. Oh, and yeah. I think I've got, oh, I, I got think- a line on somebody to do a really great interview about HP Lovecraft in a couple of weeks. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I think the the Cthulhu mythos is actually a great example of something that's been really elevated because of how accessible it is, because anybody, pretty much anybody can do stuff with the Cthulhu mythos. It means that people encounter these books and places and things like that. I mean, the King of Yellow is a great example um, of, of something that keeps popping up, you know, the Necronomicon, right. These, um, jo- these like, um, uh, shared mythical figures and like fake historical figures mm-hmm. pop up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating. Do you think it detracts from the story because you sit there like with Vandroid going, was this real? Was this not real? Or are you just expected um, to just take it in even more? I think it kind of depends on your perspective. I mean, for me, being the person that I am, that sort of thing is wonderful. I love it when they do the world building. When, you know, like uh, The Running Man, that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, yeah, yeah. movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's set in the future. And you see a bit of this future culture, mostly through their TV shows. Right. Which are, you know, incredibly reminiscent of of, 30 years later what our new television is like Mm -hmm. and you wonder whether that's something where they were just so super you know they were really really set to the zeitgeist or whether because of that movie these things happen you know i love those little bits and pieces where you try and figure stuff out or when you have to try and piece things together you don't want too much mystery or too much but Having something like that allows you to feel like maybe you're participating a little bit in the world. You feel like you you own part of it. It's it's partly your thing. Yeah, I've been listening to the um, this HP Lovecraft 
podcast for some time, uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. And I'm just about to get to Lovecraft's very last story that he wrote. And these guys have, you know, 100 and almost 200 episodes. And they're H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's last episode or last story appeared in episode like 117. But what I find fascinating is that even Lovecraft, even though he was writing for different publishers, even though he was writing different stories, he started dropping references to his other stories in the the stuff that he was publishing so that he did create a, a greater universe in his reading. And I think that's what caught a lot of people's attention and make people think that, oh, this must be real. This thing about Cthulhu right. and, and, and the uh, and the cult and the Necronomicon has to be real because he's making references to these stories back and forth. It's fascinating. Well, right. And it's um, that was that was kind of probably an inadvertent uh, version of this. Right. Where where it's not the author trying to pass it off as real. It's just within the context of the story. It's actually kind of well done enough. Right. That you start to wonder if it's actually real. Mm-hmm. Um, especially given the, the propensity of fiction to borrow from real religious texts and real mm-hmm. things like that. Right. I mean, how many, how many movies are there with some like biblical end of the world component or something like that? And you start watching it and it's like, well, I've never read, actually read that passage that talks about Armageddon, but this seems right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Now, you know, we've done our own uh, fake history before at major spoilers. We have. We have. You can go over to Majorspoilers.com and you can go into the Hero History Archives and you can look up the Hero History for Kablamicus. And that wasn't real. It is presented in such a way and the art is done in such a way that you believe that this stuff really, really happened. And I find that, uh, again, really fascinating. It's a lot of fun uh, to go and read that and check out the fantastic art, all original art by our friend Thomas Perkins. Um, uh, writing not necessarily all original, uh, but you know what are you going to do? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> it's it it, it it fits it fits under parody. I don't I don't think you need to. Uh, uh, it's a thing. It was cool. I like that. I still need to work on the uh, the three pager. Look at that weird door. Look at yeah. that weird door. And get him to That's draw that up. <laughs> hey, it's what's up with that weird door? It's that weird door. No. Oh. And then the crypt keeper comes in. We should start in. another site and just call it the weird door. Have to have a lot of stories about is, it first. Or people taking pictures of weird doors. I know there's Why a site not? that's about little doors, like little gnome doors there's that people put in. There's a site about faces in inanimate objects why can't we have a site called hey look at that weird door the weird the weird door.com is not taken but i wonder if weird door dot com is is a real thing nope wired weird door weird door is also not taken copyright major spoilers. snap that sucker up well i'm busy right now doing a show I'm with you guys busy. my name's and i don't Satan, want somebody I'm to snag busy. it while we're recording They they might hear this while we're recording it. (laughs) The only person who can hear us right now is my cat. Well, I don't trust that cat. Looks a little shifty. I don't either. Old bastard can jump seven feet straight up in the air. Let's see. He tried to climb a door frame the other day. What's that about? Cats are weird 
Our cat used to climb and sit up on top of the counters, like at the, I mean, the cabinets would jump onto the counter, onto the refrigerator, up into the, uh, up on top of the cabinets and just hang out there all day. I think he thought he was a gargoyle because he'd kind of stare down at you. And maybe well, he was trying to be like a, a vulture, like Snoopy. Probably. Probably. Um, but, but, but anything else we got to talk about? I like this, this fake history thing, Rodrigo. I think we yeah, should look up more uh, about this. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, the, the, the comment sections is, is open for you guys out there. If you want to talk, if you've got other, other things, um, you know, another thing about this is kind of like, it's similar. It's kind of like fake members of a band kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, like the, the Archies, the Ringo stars, let's yeah. throw Clarence out of the band. Uh, yeah, and it's like, uh, or like gorillas who are all mm-hmm. kind of mutant cartoon guys. Yeah, the gorillas are, something. how did that fall in? Because it's a real band doing the music. Yeah. Uh, gorillas is, is a collaboration between, yeah. I'm terrible with names, the guy from Blur and the guy from Tank Girl. Mm-hmm. It's basically what gorillas are mm-hmm. and as, an, as an audiovisual experience. And, you know, it's pretty awesome. What they do there, because again, they're, I mean, they're building a fictionalized world and still playing with the, the same sort of stuff. And I, I love it when, you know, a band has their whole fake history. Yeah. You know, God love it. I, I, Green Jello, when I was in college, they were originally called Green Jelly, but then someone sued. No, wait, it was the other way around. Either way. Or Guar. Yeah. You guys yeah. ever look up the backstory of Guar? First of all, don't do it on a full stomach, but you you love that they put that much work and that much creativity into something that not everybody is even going to want to see, much less get to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stevens talked about history of future or future folk who have yeah, mm-hmm, that's uh, another one mm-hmm. fake history. You know, Daft Punk, they're robots. Yeah, that's right. They're up all night to get lucky. Yep. I don't think that's Daft Punk. That no, that's Daft, Daft Punk. It's Daft Punk and Pharrell. Dude, oh, that's okay. all the Daft Punk that I know right there. Is there? <laughs> oh, you, you know, you know, you know more Daft Punk than that. You just don't know it's Daft Punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around the world, around the world is Daft Punk. How does that song go? Around the world, around the world. You Wait, heard. that's Daft Punk. Yep. Wow. Do they do what is love? No. Okay. Because it sounds kind of like the same thing. <laughs> But you know, it, even when you get to the point where sometimes sorry, uh, I was too busy buying a uh, weirddoor.com over at GoDaddy, not a Al, sponsor, but they should be. Al Bundy had a running gag of his favorite TV show, Psycho Dad. Did you ever <laughs> oh, yeah, see yeah, yeah. Psycho Dad? Yeah, he had the Psycho theme song Dad. and everything. Yeah, Psycho Dad. He's quick with a gun, but he loved his son. Psycho Killed dad. Killed his wife because she weighed a ton. He's psycho dad. Oh, there's Did, also... Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That was funny, though. Go ahead. I love the uh, psycho dad. There's, there, uh, there's a, a long tradition of fake commercials, not just in skit shows. That, that's, that doesn't quite always fit, although Saturday Night Live has gotten a lot better about making very realistic-looking um, fake commercials. But stuff like Log um, from yes. Ren and Stimpy. It's Log. It's Log. It's big. It's heavy. It's worse. Which, Has there which been you anything? Often remember more readily than the uh, actual product it's parodying. 
it's besides than bad, it's good. Besides these things that you know are fake history things that end up with a product like Thulu or Daft Punk with Get Lucky and um, Log, you know, which I think they've actually sold a Log action figure at one point. Is there anything that has really materialized out of these things beyond just that initial commercial push well, that has made yes it seem more real? Happy Fun Ball. Well, that's true. Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. And certain things. Every once in a while, yeah. I mean, there's like the Buddy Jesus figures from the um, oh, View Askew Universe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you if you break it down and go all the way back, really Tenacious D and their massive success comes out of Jack Black pretending to be a rock star and then making a comedy show where he pretends to be a rock star and then making an album with real rock stars and finally he and Kyle being accepted as real rock stars when the whole thing was, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we pretended to be super genius, awesome rock stars? I mean, it, the fact that Tenacious D is as wonderful as they are in concert and you know on their albums is kind of a little bit of a miracle when you really look at it. I mean, I mean, yeah, Tenacious D is a good example of um, of that. It's um, it's a it's a you know it's they're supposed to be like a fake band and a parody band, but their music is good enough in general that they also kind of pull off being a band. Um, if you guys have ever seen the bad lip reading videos that have actual music, mm-hmm. like the, the ones that are just that are parodying or are, are doing the bad lip reading of music videos, um, I often actually almost always find that song as a song musically much more interesting than the one that they're <laughs> yes. uh, lampooning. Their yeah. alternate version of that one uh, Someone I Used to Know song is so yeah. catchy and so good. It is. It is. They're all they're all actually really good. If um they have a parody of a Taylor Swift song and that one's great. It's way better than the than the real one um featuring <laughs> not featuring Wiz Khalifa. Um <laughs> they have uh and and one that they had to take down, but you can still track it down through YouTube if you like do enough searching called dirty spaceman mm-hmm. which is um a uh it's a video from will i am and um what's her name da, 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 da. Nicki minaj it's actually a really fantastic song dirty spaceman is a better song than the song that they were doing <laughs> i will look it up apparently it's uh right there in the search pretty quick yeah you have to check it out Yep. But All remember, right. kids, don't search for things. Oh, I was too busy trying to snag that the domain name before somebody else got it. So there you go. Hey, All right. That's that. it. Uh, WeirdDoor.com uh, coming soon. Majorspoilers.com. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for being a part of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for gen- downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with a friend. Thank you for being a VIP. Thank you for using the Amazon.com link. Thank you for buying headphones from our friends at TweakedAudio.com. And thank you to uh, to the uh, Shades of Vengeance once more for sponsoring this episode. Go check Shades out their Kickstarter. And the uh, link is there in the show notes. Next week. Next time. Next week. I don't know. Next time that we're together. Mask of the Red Panda. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. 
You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Wait, think about a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Shot up in a fine be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler whoa 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 what a major spoiler